This is Just Desserts, The Last Meal of William Bonin. I'm your host, Austin Trott, remembering that I was a lot happier before I knew the definition of the word ligature. With me is my co-host, Corey Smith. Corey? What up, what up, what up, people? What's going on, everybody, today? Happy Sunday. Fuck you. got done with the Martha Beck episode and I was so happy I'm like good done with the serial killers don't have to do anymore we're hanging out afterwards and I'm like Corey you want to pick the next person and he's like oh uh wasn't it just gonna do 196 we have all these in like a spreadsheet and so we just have and a random number generator you drag the corner pick a doozy and uh, it gives you two outputs and Corey described the second option we had as a two well tell us what we're having uh we're gonna have a easy laid back friday night meal pizza um and ice cream two large pizzas sausage and pepperoni what's the ice cream flavor coffee ice cream man we got a weird not a lot of people drink i love coffee ice cream actually. i i never really had coffee ice cream so this is gonna be experience because i'm not a coffee drink drinker so we're gonna give it a taste man because like you know this is just to give it a uh well a seal of approval i like i don't even like coffee that much i've always liked coffee ice cream like oh, even man. when i was a kid before i was drinking that's sucks. Like See, we, we weren't allowed to have no coffee ice cream oh uh, no i snuck it I, I snuck it late at night i couldn't have it so i wanted it more okay mm. Mm. okay I can see myself sneaking eating them. Shout out to this. This is brought to you by H and D, Hog and Dawes. Coffee ice cream. This is good today. Mm. Now we don't want to shout out Hog and Dawes because we don't know for sure if that was the ice cream he ate. We do know three six packs of Coca Cola. God. Oh. Yeah. Don't know if he drank them all, but. Three six-packs, man. We are going to have a Coke and frown as we discuss the life of serial killer um, William Bonin. Get ready for this, y'all. No, it's the freeway killer. Uh, I think you can better describe him as the sodomy strangler. Um, although a uh, comedian friend of mine rightfully pointed out, a non-consensual sodomy strangler. It's important to make the distinction because... Hey, if you and your partner are into sodomy and strangulation between the two of you, we don't we don't kink shame. That's your business. It's good. Thumbs up from this podcast. Do butt stuff and choke people who want butt stuff done to them while asphyxiated. Don't do it to people who don't want butt stuff done to them or to be choked. And certainly don't murder kill them. <laughs> But yeah, no, we have to just get the trigger warnings right out of the gate. If you have issues with sexual assault, sexual battery, child abuse, child sexual assault, incest, molestation, and of course, rape, just probably don't listen. My bad, y'all. I picked a doozy today. This is going to get kind of kind of weird. Corey was like, we have to do this guy. It's... Corey has a William Bonin poster in his bedroom. He wanted to hear about him. William Bonin's whole life story, for lack of a better, is rape. When he was a child, his mother, you know, 
add another mark to the the broken home tally list. Hmm. Parents weren't around. His dad uh, had PTSD, likely from World War II. He was abusive, also a molester, Hmm. not around very often. And his mom liked to go out on the town and she would leave him in the care of his grandpa, who was also a known serial child molester who preferred boys who had molested his mother and his mother still left him in the care of her dad. Of her, yeah. Man. Perpetuating that down to that bloodline, man. That's some, that's a generational curse. People got to get that broken up, get that taken care of. Well, it also, it really speaks to just how fun bingo nights were in the <laughs> area. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> uh, that's what she would get. She was, uh, I know the dad was a problem gambler. Um, he would take the financial woes out on the kids. It was so bad in the household that the mother, to get them, helped send to an orphanage. They're better off with no. No kids, then. No parents than what, what they had, which. You know, might not be wrong, but the orphanage was arguably even worse. More than likely so. If you've never been in an orphanage, man, they are a cesspool of broken people. And a lot of times those people do not get the type of help that they need or the counseling that they deserve because mm-hmm. of where they're coming from. They're well, shipped like packages. And I'm just saying that from personal experience. And I should have I should have done a better job framing this. Bunn was born in 1947. So we're talking about not even the child care system of today. We're talking about the 50s. We're talking before a lot of institutional reforms take out things like corporal punishment. Back when uh, whooping your kids in school was, was it, normal. And in an orphanage. That they, they did that to kids who went home to their parents. Hmm. These to kids who had no one, they were having them hold stress positions for like half an hour, beating them in response to getting Mm -hmm. minor infractions. They were drowning them in the sinks and the toilets. On top of that, there was a Catholic priest who you're not going to believe what he was doing to these children. Uh, Well, I mean, let's 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 look at the record of Catholic priests these days and. they like little boys. Well, it do, it's not just the Catholics, though. It's it's because uh, the Mormons have scandals. It's it's not everyone. If you it, it's rigid power structures. When you give someone that much power over a person, sexual assault always takes place. Mm-hmm. Not in every instance. Not everyone in a power position goes on to abuse it. True. But the existence of those positions will always breed mm-hmm. people abusing that power. Or, or finding somebody who they can use their sexual woes to give them the power that they're looking for. And we're going to be saying power a lot because that's what rapes are crime about. Is It's about power. And Bonin, as a child, is the victim of horrible, horrible things no child should ever go through. His brain is a little stunted, by, is going to be stunted. This There's studies that say uh, childhood trauma can actually stunt development of the prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. 
and that controls like your higher reasoning. The way you handle a situation when it goes the wrong way. Exactly. Uh, lashing out with anger, things like that. Victim of sexual assault trauma is going to later on act in some way to take the power back. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them. The large majority don't murder. Um, sadly, a large majority of child molesters were themselves the victims of that crime. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean the majority of victims go on to do it. Probably just, you know, like what anybody is to do when you've been really hurt, you probably try to find you a safe place. Disconnect, you know what I'm saying, release, and, you know, probably try to start a new life, get a haircut, change your style. Well... Become become somebody different because you feel as though that the the last person was was completely broken or destroyed. You know, I've heard stories, so you know it it takes a lot, man. That's that's you know, and everybody not coming forth when they've been mm-hmm. molested or raped. In this case, especially because we'll we'll see a lot of uh, people who actually do come forward and do get bought and brought to justice, and the case should have been put to a stop a lot earlier than it did, but. Uh, we'll get into Southern California judiciary at the time. <laughs> um, at the orphanage, so Bonin is eight years old at this time, and later in life he would go. He he did a lot of horrible things, and he had a lot of horrible things done to him. Mm-hmm. And after he was convicted, he conf- he talked at length about everything. He rather liked talking about the horrible things he did to other people, but he would divulge details of his past abuse except for the orphanage. Mm. The only thing he would say about his time at the orphanage was that he consented to sex with the older boys only if his hands were tied at eight years old. Type of weird shit. How's your pizza? Well, this pizza is good, man. Made by yours truly, homemade. It is delicious. Hand, hand spun. I watched it. Yeah, man. You know, it took me back to my old days, man. I don't really make homemade pizza often, but we got some good sausage and pepperoni pizza, hand spun, homemade sauce. You know, just good, man. Shoot, sure, you can't really beat pizza. Like, if you don't like pizza, it's just, you're just not American or Italian because I love pizza. And a homemade pizza is 10 times better because... Bump delivery and bump DiGiorno. Make it yourself. Mm, 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 mm. Save some money, too. 50 m And time. Anyway, once Bon left the orphanage, he's back in with his folks now and starts doing petty crimes around the neighborhood around the age of 9 and 10. Has a, a little gang of cohorts with him, little ruffians that he's kind of the pack leader of, uh, gets busted for stealing license plates and goes to juvenile detention center. Mm-hmm. At the juvie, he would again endure physical abuse and sexual abuse, um, not just from the other inmates, also from his adult counselor. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about a 10-year-old kid who every single person who has ever been in a position of authority over him mm-hmm. has sexually has, assaulted him, has used it to, and that's his understanding of what sex is. That's his understanding of what relationships are. Right and wrong. What's acceptable, yeah. what's not acceptable. How the world works. Dynamic of a predator and prey. Power. Like we see it. 
And once he leaves the juvenile detention center, Bonin is never again the victim. At the age of 14, he's back on the streets. He's doing petty crimes. He has begun molesting his younger brother. So he did four years in juvie. I'm not sure exactly how long he was in juvie, but longer than he needed to be. Possibly. At least in that juvie. But that's the thing that I want to highlight before we get into all the horrible things he did, even before he started killing people. Because before he was a serial killer, he was a serial rapist. Mm. And um, it it makes sense how uh, those are two crimes that are about power, especially by Bonin's motivations, it seems like. How it escalates, because no one's just born uh sociopathic murder monster right your two-year-old might be may like seem like that but he doesn't have the capacity to care process they get there through a lot of failures in their home for sure we haven't seen i don't think we'll see many people on death row who didn't come from broken families Uh, but a lot of institutional failures, right? That orphanage, that's a failure of our childcare. Yep. The juvenile detention center, my God. All these things, maybe... All these systems in place. And the thing is, them. most of the people who go through them still don't become serial killers. Mm-hmm. However, most of them, uh, they just kill themselves. So that's it's not better. Quite worse. Mm-hmm. Anyway, luring kids in with alcohol get him drugs and he's just molesting neighborhood boys now he's asserting himself as the power figure and that always targeting kids younger than him and i wonder what was his fixation on boys it was because he was molested as a boy or was well he was was his sexual orientation was he was he did he consider himself no. to be a homosexual who's this i don't know if that and he was he was definitely homosexual and it was obvious to those around him, especially his mother, who, when he graduated high school, tried to to straighten him out, get him engaged to a woman. Mm-hmm. And Bonin, to escape this engagement, uh, enlisted and went to fight in Vietnam, where he actually did quite well. Mm. Uh, he won a good conduct medal. For risk, he was a he logged seven hundred hours as an aerial gunner. Okay, uh, in the Air Force, and yeah, he was given, <laughs> he was given a, a good conduct medal for risking his life to save fellow soldiers under fire. He also molested two of the soldiers under his command at gunpoint, and honorable discharge. Honorable discharge, just like America's military, we let rape and sodomy go by, and we still give people honorable discharge. Well, and and here's the you can't really call the military out for the because the guys didn't report it. Mm -hmm. The one who came forward about it was actually Bonnet in interrogation later in life. Now, why a sociopathic murderer would do so well at war, I just don't. Who's to say? Like my favorite quote in my in my movie, uh, Major Pan. Mm. Oh. I love killing, and killing is good. And I applied to Bonin. His takeaway from Vietnam, he said, the thing I learned out there was that human life is overrated. Mm-hmm. 
know, you got to figure he was sitting up. I think, assuming out of a helicopter, you're shooting people on the ground, you're going to form a disconnect. That's mm-hmm. not human life. You're just shooting ants. Picking up one by one. And honestly, sounds like the first time he's ever been congratulated or like for killing somebody. Yeah. The only positive reinforcement he's really gotten in his life up till this is when he went and killed a bunch of people. Mm. I wonder, was he molested while he was in the military? Probably, uh, I don't know, man. I doubt it. But I mean, I know he did two people under his own command at gunpoint. That's true. Which is which is even more weird mm-hmm. for you to be able to do that at gunpoint in the military on a Doing base. Head offensive. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out how that worked. But I wanted somebody in his, you know. And this is way before Don't Ask, Don't Tell. This was unheard of. Bunk, don't Ask, Don't Tell. This Dude, was... there were states with sodomy laws on the book. But yeah, the military uh, to this day has a problem with sexual, like you alluded to earlier. And again, I don't think it's a problem of the military. I don't think it's a problem of the Catholic Church. I think when you have these rigid power structures, they always seem to get abused because you put people in them. That's it. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. No, 100%. Now, once he gets home, engagement didn't work out. I wonder why. Who could imagine? Um, conflicting schedules. Can't shoot people in the, from sky. She found out about all the kids you molested. Erectile dysfunction because she's a lady. You're hiding your homosexuality and don't want to marry her anyway. And your wife is not into butt plugs. And you can't control the violent impulses. Sounds like my teenage years. It's at this point that Bond would graduate to a serial rapist who wouldn't just uh, molest those close to him. A lot of sex predators, their first victim is family member, and that's just because of access, mm-hmm. right? That's who you can get familiar with easy. Just like them, his first was his brother, I assume, with his grandpa, with his father, started in the family as well. Granddaddy probably did that. And the cycle, it continues, it continues. Um, the sad thing is, something like 9 out of 10 child molesters were themselves molested. Mm-hmm. But now, what he is going to try to do is he's going to take that trauma that was inflicted on him. And because he's not dealing with it, try to uh, normalize it. By making himself the aggressor in that. Mm-hmm. And by that, he starts picking kids up off the street. He had this uh, lime green Ford Ecoline van that was just like a picture of a creeper van. Mm. Scooby-Doo and van without the Scooby-Doo. Pretty close, yeah. And what he did is he... Got all the handles removed from the inside, from the passenger seat, put in the back, and he would stash like handcuffs, other tie downs, ligatures, and knives wow. and stuff. And so he would get the kids, I'll give you a ride here, we'll go there. Sometimes he'd proposition them, he'd lure victims into the van, overpower them, tie them down, at which point he would begin torturing. 
I, I shouldn't be getting into how he murdered because I don't want to spoil that. At this point, he's just a rapist. It's weird, man. Like, yes. what can possess you, like, to do children like that? He did five boys over twelve or over a four month span, all ages twelve to eighteen. Tied him up, sodomy, five counts of kidnapping. He was convicted, five counts of kidnapping, four counts of sodomy, oral copulation, and child molestation. At this point, in 1971, that's when he was sentenced, is honestly the first time in Bonin's life he's ever gotten any, he ever gets anything close to an attempt at treatment for his a distressed mind for something that's been happening to him for the past well for how how fucked up he is and by now it's way too late uh at a tuscadero state hospital they diagnosed him with bipolar disorder which his mother also had they noted that his prefrontal cortex was damaged so struggle with impulse control quick to anger lacking a lot of higher reasoning issues with empathy remorse extensive scars all over his body um particularly around the head and buttock uh which they said was probably from juvenile detention i say probably could have been from the orphanage or the abusive dad war i think after like the fifth authority figure in your life uses that power to abuse you, your scars just kind of blend together. Everything overlaps and it, the, the the mindset of reasoning is no longer there because the brother been damaged with, with no help. Now, he's a sick bastard, but the guy needed help a long time ago and never it, received it. And if not for his sake, for the sake of the people, he went on to harm. For instance, I'm not sure he ever got treatment for the bipolar. I don't think he ever took mood stabilizers or anything. And his killing spree, um, it's really over a short period of time, about a year and a half maybe. Mm. And with gaps of several months in between. So know. it's probably not a lot of bodies. It's just what happened to him and who the victim was was the big bigger issue well he would go at periods where he would do like two or three in a week and then not for like a month or so but he is still at a tuscadero state hospital finally getting treatment unfortunately as i said it's pretty much too late he's already turned over as a predator at this point and they have to kick him out of a tuscadero because he kept trying to molest the other inmates who were there Therapy. He's sent to a state hospital. Two years later, he's released as he was deemed no longer a danger to health and safety of others. So he was like my man from Locked Up. He was like, see around here, booty is important. (laughs) Booty is worth more than gold. So I see a man and I look at him and I walk up to him. I say, I like you and I want you. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. Now, if we do this the hard way, because I'm a warrior, a booty warrior. And that's what it sounded like my man's was. I'm the only guy in here with you, and you recited that whole thing. Yeah, that's my favorite scene from that whole lineup <laughs> series. He made deep eye contact with me the whole absolutely. time. It was fucking terrifying. Because I'm a warrior, just not for no man's butt. Now, it is a little different 
with him and the Booty Warrior. Because the Booty Warrior's still locked up, isn't he? Yeah, he's still locked up. Yeah, no. Bonin was released after like four years. Oh, shit. Yeah. No. Uh, deemed no longer a danger to health and safety of others. You have to remember, this is like... Oh, he hadn't killed anybody, so he's still... Well, it's 1974. All he's done is rape people. And yes, that's bad, but they were also um, male, so it was gay. So it's mm-hmm. not, you know, as big of a deal. Uh, and right when the war on drugs is ramping up, so. Mm-hmm. They need space. Yeah, they needed room for some nonviolent people of color. So they had to kick some white guys out. Mm-hmm. William Bond just happened to be in that crowd. And I'm not going to list off too many of the names in this story as far as uh, victims go, just because um, I think it's kind of fucked up. You live your whole life, and then the only time someone says your name again is reciting the absolute worst fucking thing that ever happened to you or could happen to anyone. So what are you famous for? Yeah, this dude fucked me in the ass and I didn't ask for it. Then he strangle murdered me. Yeah, nobody likes that shit. No one wants that to be their legacy. Everyone's greatest fear is sex they don't want from a guy. Yeah. Nobody nobody wants sex that they don't want. That goes for guys, girls, transgender, all the LGBTQ community, anybody. If if they say no, the answer is no. Because sex you don't want is the sex you don't need. Consent is our kink here at Just Desserts. They're going right. The more she say yes, the happier I get. I've never once gotten consent and not been thrilled. <laughs> Bonin took a different route. And I will say this next guy's name because he is important and he does come back later. And if there is a hero in the William Bonin story, it is David McVicker. Although he shouldn't have had to be. He was a child. He was picked up. I forget where he was going. I don't think he was hitchhiking, but he was like on the way to a friend or something. Bonin says he'll give him a ride. Once he gets in, Bonin asks if he's gay. McVicker gets a little weirded out and he's mm-hmm. like, I want to leave. Can I get out? And at that point, Bonin holds him at gunpoint, mm-hmm. takes him to a field, sodomizes him, and he begins to strangle the boy afterwards. And when McVicker cried out, uh, for whatever reason, Bonin. I guess felt bad, but he stopped, became very apologetic. I don't know if it was uh, for the rape and the attempted murder or just the attempted murder. He becomes apologetic and drops him off, says, uh, I'll see you again sometime. Drops him off in front of his parents' house, drives away. Uh, Mick Vicker immediately tells his folks what happened. And they start looking for Bonnet. And they find him after he had just propositioned 13-year-old boy. They said 35 He said $35 for sex. It was an offer. The kid refused. He became angry and tried to run him over with his car. Man. So you have the rape and attempted murder of one child. And then... Soon after... Soon, yeah, immediately after the attempted murder and solicitation of sex from a minor, uh, that's on top of the five known rapes before that. All the rapes that happened at a Tuscadero that they said we couldn't house you because it's not safe for our inmate population. And then 
after these happen, uh, administrative error that occurred before Bonin's trial led to his release. No, no, now it might be hard to process that they could overcome double-digit rapes to let this guy free. It's important to remember, Bonin's a white guy, which is not unusual. No, no, not at all. And the thing that's really critical about this mistake is, as Bonin was leaving, uh, he was getting picked up by his friend, Everett Frazier, who's an important tertiary character in the story. Um, Through him, Bond's gonna meet a lot of his future accomplices. Uh, He tells Everett Frazier, well, that's one thing, that'll never happen again, speaking about the witnesses testifying against him. It's at this point he's determined that he's never gonna let- Anybody go. His victims go again, and that is when he goes, this is 1978, he's released as a serial rapist, and he becomes a serial murderer. And the span of his killings is not very long. Um, he's arrested in 1980. Uh, and like I said, he, he does, he'll, he'll do several kills in a week and just keep upping the intensity and then he- Take a break. Yeah, he doesn't do anything for a few months there. Um, his MO, like I said, is he would lure victims into the van, promises of drugs or sex or whatever. And remember, people, this is before Law and Order SVU, which doesn't actually think which exist. I have big gripes against that show, to be honest. Like, I want an episode of Law and Order SVU that's realistic to how police handle sex crimes in the real world, where the victim comes in and the cop just looks him dead in the face. I don't fucking believe you. That's what I'd love. I And then, like, this star quarterback comes in, and they're like, all right, did you do it? And then he says, nah. And they just immediately believe him. End of episode. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. But. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. You know, well, but at the same time, man, it just, it's so often that people become the victim of these type of crimes and they have to and then the crazy thing about these victims a majority of them are are male you know what i'm saying and a lot of men are going to have a hard time or an issue with even if they got over it they're going to have a hard time speaking about that particular type of truth it's very stigmatized uh coming forward and um easier to pretend it doesn't happen um with Bonin, too, it's not just that his victims were male. They're also younger. Um, definitely did a uh, number of torturing to kind of instill fear. But again, it seemed, it didn't work well enough. And now he's never going to... Uh, now he's never going to give the, a victim the option again. Mm-hmm. And... So like I said, he'd lure them into the van, tie them down, sodomize them, beat them, torture them, and uh, at the end of it, he would strangle them usually with their own t-shirt. And uh, you remember that scarf tourniquet that we talked about last mm-hmm. week? 
he used a pretty similar thing. He would uh, drape their t-shirt in front of them like an apron and stick like a tire iron or a jack handle or just a hard piece of metal through the neck, through the sleeves, twist, 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 and strangle them. So and uh, then he would dump their naked bodies uh, either on the freeway, hence the name, you know, side of the road, uh, canyons, or abandoned gas stations. Some guys just in a dumpster. Uh, Bonin is, if you know the difference between an organized, disorganized serial killer, he, he's what you classify as a, as a disorganized. Um, his targets, though, he's, he's picking people who kind of look like him. Hmm. They all, um, and, and I know we talked about last week you know you said killing a child's horrible and i was like well killing women's pretty bad um these kids they were all uh, white kids shaggy blonde hair uh kind of resembled me as a teenager mm. and i think we can all agree that people who kill people who look like me are just a little bit worse <laughs> he's and why would you want to um you have such an innocent face, you know. I know, I know. But it, it, it harkens back to trying to take that power back over what was done to him as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it makes sense he target kids who looked like him that he wouldn't be the weak one again by being the perpetrator. It also helps him normalize this. But the thing is, you cannot heal trauma by inflicting trauma. All you can do is normalize it back. Mm-hmm. And since it's just a partial catharsis, you're always going to be left a little short from being okay. And you're going to just have to keep doing more and more as with any unhealthy coping mechanism. Hurt people hurt people. Well, yeah. And um, it's not uncommon to hear serial killers, particularly ones like Bonin, have uh, their compulsion compared to a drug addiction. It becomes something that they just can't not do. Well, it's just, it's unhealthy coping mechanisms. It's not a drug. It's the things you're not trying to deal with. To, you're doing the drugs to not fucking have to worry about, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's always going to have that same pattern where you go to excess and you go to excess and you go to excess. And you see Bonin as he carries out more and more kills, he gets up. Uh, his first kills seem uh, more compulsive, like uh, more emotionally. First person he picked up, he strangled, stabbed, sodomized a 13-year-old hitchhiker uh, and emasculated, uh, cut their junk off, threw it in a field. That's mm. what I'm asking. Uh, so that was, that. the well, first one was a little bit more personal? Well, here's the thing is they think a lot of, especially with, and I don't want to leave it at simply homosexual serial killers because- it seems to only be the tops who are doing the killing. Mm-hmm. You never hear about forced sodomy going the other way. Where mm-hmm. The tops are the problems. but People might be forcing, <laughs> forcing other people to do things. The interesting thing about this first kill, the first kill that's attributed to him, uh, it's one that he was never convicted of, but uh, Vernon Butts, who was his accomplice for a lot of this, uh, went through the details of it. Uh, Vernon Butts was a strange guy as well. He was uh, 
eccentric is how he's been described in like everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, a porcelain uh, factory worker, but the man was so much more than his employment. He was into the occult. He was a part-time magician. And of all, uh, Bunnen would work with several accomplices. Butts is the only one who really matched him, I think, in terms of like sadism. He would, I think the two kind of egged each other on. Probably so. And um, yeah, the, I, I don't know if I can say either was more violent than the other. I know Bonin probably enjoyed it more because he kept doing it, whereas Butts tried to stop. Yeah, Butts was trying not to take his tharping to a whole nother level. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Butts, too, he was he was working. Uh, he got bullied as a kid or whatever. Fuck that dweeb, honestly. Um, but those two, uh, they they met at a party at Everett Fraser's house. That was uh, William Bonin's neighbor, the one who picked him up. And they discussed the fantasy of murdering people. And Vernon says when they picked up the 13-year-old hitchhiker, he thought they were just going to rape him. Bonin starts uh, doing murder stuff, and he's like, oh, no, now I'm in it. Better one-up him. And that's how they continued um, on May 28th. Oh, this is uh, the only one of them, though, that Bonin, even till the end, like, denied. Um, he, he denied all of it as soon as he was convicted, as you will, but... Once some stuff happens, once it's pretty clear, you know, um, this is the only one who was like, I didn't do. And his reasoning was, I don't chop the dicks off little boys, which, yeah, I mean, you'd have to be a monster to do something like that. That's a, that's a vivid detail. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, slit my throat, stab me, sodomize me, kidnap me and dump me in a field but, but don't cut off my dick that's just a bridge too far that's just that's just overkill and um another interesting thing to know uh bonin is the freeway killer he's the one most commonly given that title he was actually one of three different freeway killers operating in southern california at this time so that was a lot going on in california during the 80s man this is a uh, yeah. Uh, this was late seventies, but yeah, nineteen eighty is when he gets arrested. But um, yeah, uh, especially this was right after uh, the Hillside Strangler case, mm-hmm. in which Southern California got a lot of criticism. It was actually the Hillside Stranglers, but they weren't caught by the uh, Southern California Police Department. They were caught by uh, police in Washington. So a lot of criticism came on that department, and it actually plays a factor. When later on in the story, body after body after body is showing up naked on the side of the road, uh, strangled by their own T-shirt. And cops are like, well, large gay community in the area. <laughs> that's not a joke. That was their response. But see, that that's... That's how that was the ideas of homosexuality at the time. Like um, back then, a lot of people did not have any kind of respect for that community. And like when I mean, HIV and AIDS first hit, like they put the full blame on 
homosexual men, which yeah. was a catastrophe. And, and Ronald, again, Ronald Reagan hasn't invented AIDS yet. This is before that. Um, but yeah, after, again, they, they go, they pick up a 17-year-old and uh, sodomize him with various different objects. And while sodomizing him with a pool cue, uh, the young man dies of shock, which... I didn't know could happen, but mm-hmm. I should have included in my trigger warnings people who've seen 13 Reasons Why. Hate to conjure up any images or, or PTSD from watching that awful Netflix programming. Uh, a couple days later. 14 Reasons Why I haven't watched it. <laughs> oh, wait, no, it was the next day. Uh, they picked up a West German hitchhiker. Down, same stuff. This guy, uh, Bonin stabbed 77 times. And they talk about um, with homosexual serial killers, a lot of them, especially in times when it's not uh, as accepted as it is today, it, it's a self hatred, usually, mm-hmm. especially after getting done with the sex act and feeling the guilt and the person brought it out. And particularly, um, you know, more so another one of the freeway killers who I, I did a little research on, but who was, uh, I don't, I keep saying Robert Kraft, but that's the New England Patriots guy. So I'm just <laughs> going to call him Kraft. I know his first name starts with an R, but that was, that was his thing. He was gay and he wasn't okay with it. And he did, he, he was known to chop a dick off or two. <laughs> he was, and that you know that could be the explanation could just be uh bonin's a sick fuck and he got carried away yeah it sounds like it's a little mix of both because bonin got issues he's, he's emotional in that first one um then bon and again it's not just bonin butts is here with them and they're egging each other on uh dumped him in malibu creek uh then again, they picked up a 15-year-old bound, beat him, skull fractures. And this is where you get the first appearance of his signature kill method, which is the ligature strangulation. Mm-hmm. Fine, twist, twist, twist. Kill, 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 kill. Die, die, die. And burning butts is like, okay, this has to stop. This is getting a little out of hand. I was on board for the first Three murders, at least, but... I've had enough. I'm ready to go. I'm full, man. And the thing is... Butts is Bonin's favorite accomplice. Mm -hmm. He he does, after uh, Butts moves on, try out other um, people, new trainees, uh, apprentices, if you will. Mm -hmm. But he'll go back after the kill and brag to butts about it and it'll be like oh you should have been there it was the best man um so one that got away his butt butts was probably <laughs> butts was probably like uh his his cheerleader yeah uh butts possibly said, his lover at the same time well not specifically butts a couple of them actually work but not butts specifically uh his next accomplice was uh, a mentally disabled guy with uh, 
the name of Greg Miley. He was illiterate. He had a 56 IQ, mm-hmm. which like IQ is not a great measure of intelligence, but as a gauge, definitely not the brightest bulb. Um, he was intimate actually with Bonnet, and they met at uh, Everett Fraser's house. Where else? The place to meet people. Man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what this Everett Fraser guy has, but this forty-three-year-old who has a lot of teenage boys at his house parties, something's up with him. We were talked about last week with killer couples how it was a little strange. Uh, the way the last two worked together, it wasn't the dominant person dragging the other person along. Mm-hmm. That's the dynamic you see here. That's the more common dynamic. Bonin is always looking for accomplices. I think harkens back to power. I think in murdering someone, that's the most power you could get. You're taking everything. From but if them. you get somebody to worship you, why you do it? Get them to fear you. That if you taught this is going to happen to them, that's the problem with murder. You get all that power over someone and then that person's gone forever. Mm-hmm. But with an accomplice, I think in his mind, he could probably assert himself as the alpha predator, mm-hmm. you know? And so when he would talk guys like Miley into going out and driving the van as they picked up 15 year old boy who they raped, and beat and bashed his face in with a tire iron. It seems like Bonin will sodomize them and then have kind of egg his accomplice to take it like a step further. Mm-hmm. And then while the accomplice is beating or doing whatever to them, that's when Bonin steps in and actually does the killing. Probably it, he gets the strangle. Mm-hmm. Probably does like uh, what he probably gets worked up watching his accomplice do stuff to him, and then he he wants that final kill. Well, the first kill he took Miley on, um, after Bonin sodomized him, as you do, uh, Miley went to take a turn but couldn't get it up, and then mm. he got angry, and then he just started beating the victim to death, which has to be the first time a guy has ever lashed out with violence because of their own insecurities about their sex. <laughs> has to be. Um, but it's once uh, Miley starts beating the guy, Bonin joins in, ligature strangulation, kill. Um, five minutes after they dump his body in an alleyway, Bonin goes, I'm horny. Let's do another. And this is where we get to probably, um, no, not probably, the, the, the hardest one for me to read. Uh, his youngest victim was a 12 year old boy on the way to Disneyland. Oh, damn. That's yeah. just... And so, on that note, I have never needed a Coke and a smile more. So, I'm going to shotgun a Coca Cola. Corey, can you tell the people? Uh, what your take is on coffee ice cream now that you have experienced it. I fucking loved it. It was awesome. It was great. First of all, I feel like it was a shot of espresso to the good parts of my soul. And it was just really delicious. Coffee ice cream, I do recommend. It is very smooth. I recommend if you are a coffee drinker to have a scoop of this 
inside of your coffee so that you can truly enjoy it for what it is. Coffee ice cream, you deserve your own little mantle in my soul leading to my belly because you are delicious and nutritious. Woo! I do so much fucking coke on this show. So after they finished sodomizing the 12-year-old boy, <laughs> Bonin forced him to fall asleep in his arms and then crushed his windpipe with a tire iron and applied that familiar ligature strangulation. Uh, he then dumped his body back of a gas station uh, in a dumpster. These guys were very brutal They're and disgusting. Um, you know, no one... I think part of the reason child sex predators are allowed to operate and do get away with so much shit is that it's an uncomfortable topic for everyone Mm -hmm. to talk about. And especially uh, this case is no fun to research, man. Uh, It's horrible. You know, it's like a, a picture of innocence is a kid waiting to go to fucking Disneyland and, and right before Disneyland, somebody snatches you up, takes the last bit of innocence that you got, and then dumps your body somewhere. Yeah. Awful. <laughs> but Bonin's not done. And Bonin is a cold-hearted son of a bitch. One of his solo kills was uh, actually, so get this, while he's doing all these murders, all these rapes, Bonin has a girlfriend. Come again, say what? Bonin has had a girlfriend the entire time he's been killing. Come again, uh, say what one more time? So a girl, a woman was dating William Bonin, the serial killer, as he was picking uh, little boys up off the street. Captain of the booty snatches. Had a girlfriend? Captain, steal your cornbread. Yes. He, Emphasis uh, on the corn part. He had, did not just have a girlfriend. He had a male lover as well. Oh, he had options. Yeah, he had a 17-year-old boy by the name of Lawrence Sharp. Oh, Mr. Sharp. Who he was having consensual sex with until one day Bonin said he just got tired of having him around Mm. and just treated him like the usual suspects. Tied him down, sodomized, tortured, strangulated, dumped, killed. Damn. Um, He would move on. He would find another accomplice. Uh, and a man named William Pugh. And Pugh, he met also at an Everett Frazier party. Everett Frazier's the guy, man. This mm-hmm. dude knows everyone. He's taking him home and propositions Pugh for sex, Bonin does. And Pugh, you know, gets a little apprehensive. And Bonin, you know, over. Crowds him, overpowers him, basically tells him who he is. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm the freeway. Kid. I like to pick kids up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, he's like, the first thing you need to know before you kill someone is where you're going to put the body. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, I thought, because one, it conflicts with him being a disorganized killer. That's something an organized killer would do. They're the ones who plan things out and they operate over several years. And also, 
Bonin did not like pick out where he was putting these bodies. He dumped them in canyons, along the freeway, at abandoned gas station. He picked the closest spot. Closest spot where the body is buried. There was no organization whatsoever because Bannon did not give a fuck. Didn't give a damn about who he was doing it to or the body or where he placed it. A lot of times he'd commit his crimes in grocery store parking lots. Can you imagine? How many times have you walked by a white van just in the back of a Walmart for no reason? First of all, every time I see a it's white van... It's more than zero, and now I'm thinking about every one of them. Every time I walk by a van that only has two windows, I automatically assume they're either kidnapping people or transporting people. Hmm. Fair. It's a fair assessment. Um, Pew's game, though. And he wants to go along for a hunt. And they pick up, let me make sure I have my lines drawn correctly. 15-year-old, rape him, um, beat him. Again, Pew takes over, bashes his face in with a tire iron. The young man suffered eight skull fractures. Bonin steps in and strangulates him. This is another one whose genitals were a little mutilated. Uh, bite marks on them so what you're seeing too is as he's getting a little more routine the torture also it gets amped up more of them are showing up with burn marks and stuff Mm. and again it's just trying to one up the trauma trying to one up what he's already done to get to a high that he's never going to reach and see pew first of all you can't trust nobody with last name pew he sound like one of them. What about butts? Butts. I mean, that's more common. But but Pew sounds like the name of one of them scary ass funeral directors mm. who, at the end of the funeral, he say, "Well, thank you for coming out." Where well, our motto is, "We can't live if you do." William Pew was a seventeen year old delinquent. He um, does become important later on because uh, though this was the only ride he took with Bonin. He would get busted trying to steal a car, and I don't want you guys running over to your local Everett Frazier to befriend a serial killer, (laughs) but if you know one, it is a get-out-of-jail-free card. Man. To just, I I know this freeway killer that y'all been getting grief about. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing is... Southern California was under a lot of heat, that police department, for these murders. They did not want to release that it was a serial killer. Like I said, they were on the heels of all that criticism from the Hillside Strangler. They were on the hush-hush. The and me- media back then would try to keep everything from hitting the newspapers. It's not media, man. Media is what broke it. It was a journalist who was working for the Orange County Register, a journalist named J.J. Maloney. And he's the guy who goes, all these kids are getting dumped naked, strangled. Uh, Another thing, they would all have avocado green uh, carpet fibers in their pubes. Uh, The van, his Ford Eco line. Mm -hmm. You know, this was the 70s. Like 20% of people owned avocado green (laughs) somewhere in their house. But when you add in sodomy, murder, and that's the location, it narrows it that's down when, a lot. That's when the avocado really starts to turn. Mm. 
<laughs> uh, it comes back in ways and generations. Um, <laughs> but he's the one who kind of broke the story. And like I said, the police department, they did not want to have to solve another serial killing. Um, I know a lot of people think that's why we have police is to solve all the killers and murderers, get them behind bars. But there's really no municipal revenue in doing that. So, so the new apprentices uh, haven't really been working out for Bonin, and he's gonna try a new guy, but he's still uh, he misses butts, man. <laughs> he uh, he can get butts. I think butts went on like one more ride along with him after they stopped, and you can usually tell the ones butts participated in because. An ice pick is a favorite weapon of his. Um, of course, their last ride together was particularly gruesome. They made, in addition to all the usual bindings, and that I won't go into, just assume, um, made the victim drink hydrochloric acid as well. So, yeah, they did. They got really sadistic. And as you can see, two guys who are already sadistic, just ramping up the level and butts couldn't keep up. He's like, I, I, man, murder's cool, but like everything in moderation, dude. And then <laughs> Bonin goes on a solo hunt, which I think, I'm not sure if he enjoyed as much because he does a lot of compensating about this last solo hunt. Mm -hmm. After he gets done uh, killing it, he would say this was his favorite because the victim screamed the loudest. Uh, but the first thing he does after he dumps the body in a canyon is he goes to Butts to tell him, oh, you missed out, man. You should have been there. It was the best. And he would later, while incarcerated, taunt the victim's mother with letters about how her son was his favorite to kill. And I, I do think it harkens back to uh, him not having the audience and not having that validation uh, from people seeing him in this dominant light. But see, that's where his power came exactly. from. He probably felt like it was wasted. And when you got certain I would consider him probably to be like, like a narcissistic killer. It's definitely sociopathic. I think all killers, you have to be a little narcissistic right? to think you have the right to take someone's life. And what, what not only got him off for him to, to do the sodomy was the fact that he had somebody to either watch him mm -hmm. or to watch somebody else commit the same act that he did because he wanted because he wanted them to. So with Butts not not doing the ride with them and uh, with Pew not being able to rock with him like he wants to, him on that solo ride and that being that his that being his quote unquote favorite one was because he was able to get the type of reaction that he had not been receiving from any of the other victims. The other two, the other accomplices were more shocked. They're, they were in fugue states at least. It seemed that he feared they kept them going. Butts at least delighted a little bit in it and did get a sadistic joy. But I do think of um, him having this last one. I think of it as a, the best diving board trick you hit and no one was looking. Mm -hmm. And you just come up from the water like... And Anybody I think, see uh, it? Nope. Bonin had this same feeling, but about mm -hmm. uh, sodomy murder. 
His last accomplice was a 18-year-old homeless drifter by the name of James Monroe. Uh, he took him into his home. Uh, like a lot of predators will, seems like just the nicest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. They entered into a uh, consensual relationship. Monroe described him as just seeming like a very nice guy uh, until one day Bonnet's like, we're going to pick up a homelet. We're going to pick up a hitchhiker and rape and murder him. And that, I, when I read it, it was in quotes. So I assume it was a Direct. quote. And I don't know what James Monroe thought that could have been the code for. But he claims to seem surprised when they, uh, June 2nd, when they picked up an 18 year old who uh, was bisexual and they offered him $200 if he let them tie him up back at their place, which. Mm-hmm. $200 back then. $200 is $200, you know. And he agrees to it. You know what happens next. Trying to me, strangling, all that good stuff. The, ah, 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 ah. They throw him in a box. They return to their house. Or uh, throw him in a box in the back of their car or whatever. And who do you think Bonin needs to go talk to us about? Who does he have to tell about? Gotta go holler at my man, but... Oh, Vernon. And it's not important, but it's very important to me that you know. At this point in the story, Vernon Butts is dressed like Darth Vader. He's wearing a Darth Vader outfit when William Bonin comes up to him. I don't know if he was wearing the mask. Um, and he goes, asks him where he should dump the body. And Butts is like, I don't know, just uh, find an old rundown gas station. I don't know, like we dumped the last one. <laughs> no and, remorse. Yeah, none. They're so casual about it. I mean, after uh, stealing... Uh, taking a kid's wallet who they murdered, they went and picked up burgers like immediately after. And then uh, after they finished, Bonin's like, well, thanks, Sean, wherever you are. Yeah, wherever. A couple that kills together stays together. Dude, I guess. Well, not very long. Because as I said, um, William Pugh got caught carjacking. He turned snitch. Uh, David McVicker, who I mentioned earlier, uh, this is where he comes back into the story because – he was very traumatized by uh, the rape as a child, as you would be. Um, as an adult. <laughs> well, he dropped out of high school. He started abusing drugs. Mm. He had a very hard time. And then he's reading in the paper about this freeway killer who seems to operate very similarly to the guy who abducted him started to strangle him with his mm-hmm. own shirt and he goes to the police and he says I know who this guy is like this is William Bond. this is the guy that me and they're like put it in the crank file we don't have time for this mm-hmm. presumably they had to go over relations you know, or whatever uh, they either had to dump crack off in the inner cities or pick up the people who grabbed the crack I don't know so they fair. didn't have time to solve a murder but with Pew's testimony, now you got two guys pointing at uh, Bonin. They begin to surveil him. Uh, he's under for like nine days. They were following him. And then he went around and he started picking up kids after 
like the fifth attempt, he finally coerced one to get into the van. And the cops like chilled on it for a minute. They just left him alone in there to do as he will uh, until they heard the sounds of like the van shaking and muffled screams. And they burst in and Bonin was strangling, uh, half naked strangling the 17 year old. They pull him off in the nick of time. Bonin would never get me free again. This is his last victim. Hallelujah, he survived, but Jesus Christ, what a spree and what over such a short time. He killed something like 21 victims and he was just riding around in dark at night, picking up hitchhikers. That's like three people every, every seven days. Not even, but. That's a lot, man. 21 people, man, in less than a year. That's a lot. It is. It's he's busy, man. And I can't again, you can't really say prolific because he doesn't rank where some of the others do numbers wise. But as far as uh time in the game and kills, very up there. Like somebody sitting on the side of the line. Let's get those numbers up. Let's get those numbers up. And he wished he could, man. His till the end, his only regret was getting caught. Hmm. Um says every cheater. No, nah, hey. And Boy, oh boy, what a cheat. Do you think that's what one of his girlfriend's complaints was? After like a lot of other things. And he was cheating on me the whole time. Yeah, I mean, you know, women are going to find a way to complain about something, especially when they... Especially the sin- All the other accomplices, um, they did turn over on Bonin after trying to not get arrested and then getting arrested. Vernon Butts, Bonin tried to kind of paint him as the ringleader of it all. Butts wouldn't go on, was the only one who didn't testify against Bonin, not because he wasn't going to. He'd already offered up quite a quite a bit of stuff. Um, he hung himself in the prison cell after uh, hearing that basically the details are going to be released to the public. Everyone's going to know about the horrible, awful things he did. And Vernon Butts... Like all of his vic- many of his victims died of strangulation. Fortunately, he did not receive nearly the torture that they did beforehand. As for the others, um, William Pugh, he did four years and he's free. He's the one who testified against. Um, he's back on the street. He he participated in one bludgeon the guy about the face. Um, Greg Miley was the illiterate, mentally uh, handicapped, and he was actually beaten to death in prison. Somebody beat up the handicapped, Lord Jesus. Well, he also was repeatedly reprimanded for sexual for trying to rape other inmates. So I wonder what his handicap was then. If he was, I mean, again, like he met Bonin and Bonin probably worked his mind. He wasn't very smart. Bonin wasn't a genius, but he had a higher than average IQ. He was a crafty son of a bitch. Well, I hate to use IQ measures, but that is one of the things I found out of Tuscadero was his IQ was over 120, which is not considered genius, but it is considered higher than average. Again, IQ is not a great measure. I just feel like most intelligent people have the have the capacity to be Serial killers, like because oh, if, definitely, if they can figure out like how to get rid of you without, like they plan. But this but guy the, was a little bit more sporadic. So, well, the hyper intelligence too is um, it's more of an organized killer trait. Mm-hmm. Um, 
one of the other one of the other freeway killers craft the one i mentioned earlier he was said to have like a genius iq and funny enough bonin and craft actually ended up on death row together and played bridge with one another um and are said to have hated each other (laughs) (laughs) i assume creative differences is why they didn't like possibly because well bonin really liked being the freeway killer as soon as the story broke, he was collecting clippings of it uh, in his van. That was one of the incriminating pieces of evidence were all the little clips. Mm-hmm. Uh, other incriminating pieces of evidence were all the bloodstained ligatures, mm-hmm. bloody knives, pool cue. Um, Avocado carpet. Yes. Uh, he was pretty dead to rights, but still pleading innocence. And, and I said McVicker's. Really, the heroes of this story are David McVicker and the local uh, press, because the other one who really came through in a major way and probably just uh, shortened what could have been a much longer court battle was a man named David Lopez. And he was a reporter who had like an exclusive with Bonin, where Bonin confessed to all but the first murder that's attributed to him. And he had this exclusive with the agreement that he not, you know, testify, not bring this information forward. He alone would release it. And he did the right thing. And he took it to the courts and helped this guy get put away and get the death penalty. And not just in one trial, but afterwards he was, um, I can't remember for which kids. This podcast isn't super well-researched it is just a dinner conversation and occasionally legal advice but it's gore gore more gore this was terrible i'm gonna try my best not to do it again (laughs) yeah no uh do better Corey. this is on you as for james monroe another accomplice he uh got 15 to life and is still behind bars and that's the one thing um, McVicker was kind of taken up later on in his life mm-hmm. is that at every trial and every appeal, not just of Bonin, but of all of his accomplices, McVicker was there. He was in the crowd. He was speaking out about what these people had been doing. And um, when asked why, you know, even years later, even after Bonin was given uh, the righteous dose of an injection, he said, one of the parents told me, you've got to speak up for my kid. And McVicker, still to this day, holds to that pledge. Like I said, he's a real hero of this story. It's it's easy to look at a case like this and just go, the point is, fuck William Bonin. Because fuck William Bonin. Fuck everyone who ever associated with him. His own family didn't even show up to his execution. But I mean, why would they? Because they're part of the problem. Hell no. I mean, yeah, the mom was, mom, of course, contributed, and his brothers were his victims, so at least one of them was. Um, But more than fuck William Bonin, um, fuck corporal punishment. Fuck our childcare system that would have people in positions to be abused. Uh, Fuck our juvenile justice system. Fuck sending broken people out into war to achieve 
imperialistic goals and then not taking care of them when they get back here. Fuck the police coming straight from the underground, getting bad because of brother, because I'm brown. Just not the other color. You know, I'm just saying. Um, I said that wrong, but you get me. But yeah, it, it, I think it's more important to study uh, people like Bonin for what they reveal about us. Uh, how many people was he allowed to murder because of homophobia and the precinct that didn't prosecute three separate serial killers? Operate? All the times he got away, the the. Oh my God! The right? uh, the what the what happened in this it case was, where the it paperwork? It was an administrative error. One in a lifetime, get out of jail, free cars, man. Exactly. But yeah, I just wanted to highlight someone like Nick Vicker and not Bonin, because um, yes, sadly, unfortunately, the majority of child molesters and predators were themselves victims. That is one of ways the psychology deals with it it's not the most common uh far more common and i'm not saying all healthy coping strategies mick vicker obviously trauma does a motherfucker trauma is mm-hmm. going to weave its way into your life in and out any crevice it can find and unless you deal with it and do the healing it's going to show itself and probably in harmful ways uh but most people don't harm others in a fraction of the way that Bonin did. There's a whole lot more David McVickers in the world than there are William Bonin. Thank God. Thank God.